Again in the Tigers Avenue episode number eleven, we got a we got a good bit to to cover here today. Uh, we'll start it off right off the bat here with some basketball. Tigers on the court, boot up, baby. The streak continues. The Tigers are eleven and zero after a hard nosed hard fought win against the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Zach, give me your thoughts on on what you saw in that game. So I didn't get to watch it live because I was at work. But after work, I came back home, hopped on YouTube, and found a full game video that I could watch everything without the commercials. I wish I could just do that live. That'd be nice, man. But there was no commercials, no no you know timeouts where we're just sitting there watching the teams have a discussion. It was just. <laughs> cuts between the commercials and it just showed every possession and it was fantastic. I loved it. I was like, man, <laughs> I, I wish I could do this just live, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It'd be awesome. So anyways, but the biggest thing I took away from the game when I watched it, obviously LSU again, sluggish offensively. They are struggling right now to find shots and, and to get them to drop. It's, it almost feels like they can't hit anything in an ocean right now. They're just really struggling offensively, but their defense continues to be dominant. It, I know we've said it, it seems like a hundred times on the podcast, but that's what's happening right now, LSU fans. And it's it's been repetitive with this team. So I'm hoping that they can continue the consistency of the defensive side, but change things offensively. We were hoping that with the break and everything that Will Way would be able to assess some of the issues on offense so far. I'm sure he did assess and discuss those things and, and address them with the team and try to fix some of those problems, but it seems like as of right now, those problems haven't been fixed. So we're going to have to you know, work on that, especially with SEC play coming only two games away. We got Lipscomb on Wednesday, and I think it's after Lipscomb we're in SEC play. But the big stat of the night, and this is not a stat I found on Twitter. This is not a stat. You know, I went and looked at the box score. Just from watching the game, I observed this stat. LSU allowed a f- one bucket at the 10-10 mark. They allowed a, a layup. After that, they did not allow – a single field goal until like it was maybe the three or four minute mark. And that was it. So in the last 10 minutes wow. of the ball game, LSU allowed one, one made bucket. And you know who it was? Lofton. Wow. Lofton was in foul trouble. He came back in after the four minute TV timeout and he got a little layup on it. They played it well defensively. And then it kind of just fell in his hands, and he was kind of like, oh, wide open. And that was the only field goal that the LSU defense gave up in the final 10 minutes of the ball game. They gave up a few free throws on fouls, but other than that, that was it, man. This team was they, – they in total, they allowed seven points in the last 10 minutes. So absolutely incredible. 
Fox Sports released it, I think, a few days ago. They said, which would you rather have, the number one offense or the number one defense? And the number one defense, of course, is your LSU Tigers, and they continue to shine brightly uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of – it's just weird, Reagan, because they're struggling offensively, but they're so dominant defensively, and that's just not what we've seen from Will Wade. I know we've talked about different. it a lot. But it's just weird because we're so used to seeing that high-scoring offense, and we're not seeing it right now. We saw it at the beginning with some weaker opponents, and they're starting to struggle. And it's it really worries me. It, it has me worried going into SEC play. But luckily, this defense travels. Defense travels. And so I'm excited to see um, how they play defensively when we get into SEC play. But the offense is definitely going to have to get fixed as we get into SEC play, during SEC play, you're definitely going to see probably the Tigers' first loss once we hit SEC play. And I would not be surprised with how they're playing offensively right now if it comes against Auburn. I don't know if we're going to record before the Auburn game, but I believe we will. So I'm worried about that game offensively for our Tigers. Yeah, we'll see how the Tigers do uh, once we enter SEC play. You know, offensively, I I don't think the scheme of the offense is a problem. I, I mean, they have had plenty, plenty of open shots, shots that are are not very contested shots that should be made. And the issue has been they're just not falling. They're just not making the shots. So I, I, I think Will Wade has schemed the shots to, to be open, but – they just aren't hitting, and we've got to start hitting shots uh, mm-hmm. to pull ahead. I mean, I don't know how many games in a row this is where it feels like the first half is a struggle and the second half they dominate. I mean, offensively, if we would play like we do in the second half, in the first half, I mean, our offense would, <laughs> wouldn't be a problem, but it's just like – I mean, gotta, they scored 40 in the second yeah. half. Exactly. So, I mean, if you score 40 in both halves, that's 80 points. It's so, and if you complement 80 points, you know, in this game, you know, you're not going to get 80 points every game. But, like, if you're able to do offensively what you're able to do in the second half recently in a full 40 minutes, both halves, you know, this team can be a major problem because, you know, yet again, this is another team that falls short of 60 points against the LSU Tigers um, because of this impressive defense. But you've got to start hitting the open shots. The shots are there. They need to start falling. So I I really don't lay this at the feet of Will Wade because I think his offensive scheme gives you open shots. And, And like we've said, this has never been the issue. I mean, LSU's offense with Will Wade has always been, you know, high-powered, fast pace, a lot of points. And I think you're still doing the same things that Will Wade has done in the past. The shots just aren't falling like you would want them to on a regular basis. And you're having to fight back in the games. You're having to, uh, you know, have some bare-knuckle fights every now and then. And I really think that's what this this game was. It was a hard-fought game. Even though the Tigers got down in the first half, it just never felt like they were out of it because you know what this team is made of and you know this team can shut someone down, especially the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. After this win, though, the Tigers do 
move up two spots in the rankings. They were previously number 19. They are now number 17 in the AP poll. And LSU is one of only six teams in the entire country that are undefeated still. And they are the lone standing SEC team to be undefeated. We really hope for this to continue, uh, this success. But you got to compliment your defense. Now, we'll preview the Auburn game when it comes to it. Auburn is a very, very, very high-scoring team. They are offense, offense, offense. Um, So we're really going to look forward to a big-time battle in Auburn, Alabama uh, with LSU's top defense against their offense that seems to be mostly led by freshman Jabari Smith that has just been incredible all season long. He's a for first rounder, he's, bro. Yeah, he's a freak show. And I really want to see what the Tigers can do against them. If if the Tigers go into Auburn, Alabama and come out with a win, hey, I I, I think we can beat anybody in the SEC. If they go in there and, and in Auburn, hang a W, I, I think we can compete with anybody. I think we can beat with Alabama because I think Auburn in the SEC probably has uh, the most elite offense there is. Now, Alabama's is definitely comparable to Auburn's um, because they like to play extremely fast. I'm looking forward to seeing that battle between the two of them. Let's let's discuss the Lipton, the Lipscomb game here. A little bit. What do you expect to see from the Tigers on Wednesday night in this game? I think the defense is going to continue to be dominant. Let's 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 get this straight. This is a cupcake layup game. The Tigers should win this by a ton, and we shouldn't really look into this game a lot. Now, if they struggle offensively in this game, I think you know that's. A, a bit worrisome, but I think you'll see the offense thrive in this game just because of the caliber of opponent. The defense is going to look great. The offense is going to look great, hopefully. I expect Tigers to win big. The uh, ESPN Basketball Power Index gives LSU a 99% chance to win. That's the biggest percentage I've ever seen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what they think about this game. So, um, there's not really much to say other than expect a blowout. Yep. One more tune-up game in the non-conference before we hit SEC play. Uh, just to kind of put it into perspective with Lipscomb, uh, we beat Belmont 83-53, to a 30-point win. Well, Belmont beat Lipscomb by 29 points. Just to put, you know, to give a com- comparison there, we've played – Two teams, uh, you know, we we played the same team. They played Belmont. We've played Belmont. We beat Belmont by 30, and they lost to Belmont by almost 30. So you really hope to see the Tigers tune some things up in this game uh, to get themselves ready for uh, this last non-conference game before we hit Auburn. And speaking of basketball, at the end of the show, I have a surprise for my brothers, Reagan and 
Our brother Simon is actually here right now. Simon, say hey. What's up? Um, at the end of the podcast, before we um, call it quits, I'll, I'll have something to say. But um, anyways, we'll move on. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll we'll see what that is. That's quite interesting. I'm curious now as to what that is. All right. Let's move from the hardwood here to some early National Signing Day discussion. The LSU Tigers, they finished with 13 signees uh, on early day. And, Zach, just, you know, considering all things, when you go through coaching change, when you go through such upheaval in a program like LSU is going through right now, you typically have a very down year in recruiting. Now, this is not going to be the normal signing class that LSU is used to, but for LSU to sign 13 guys on early signing day was was really good. This was a great foundation to uh, that LSU laid to finish out this recruiting class from now until February on actual national signing day. Just to you know give you a comparison, Les Miles' first year at, at LSU, he he signed 13 guys, period. Like, that was it. And LSU signed 13 on early signing day. So this is a great foundation uh, for Brian Kelly and his staff to um, build off of. Uh, and I think he really did a great job um, getting, you know, some things – solidifying the guys who are already committed and getting it, some guys in positions of need. Uh, for instance, I think the biggest need for this entire team is O-line, and he signed, uh, if I remember correctly, four offensive linemen. It, it, I'll give you the list here of signees. You, you had Larry Fit, or excuse me, not Larry Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald West Jr. out of LCA. Dude, I'd love to have Larry Fitzgerald. Come on. <laughs> I know he's old, but come on. <laughs> he's offensive lineman out of Lafayette. You got the big fish that was uncommitted. Um, the, the big one that we got was Quincy, Quincy Wiggins out of Madison Prep in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, big time defensive lineman, top 100 recruit in the entire nation. That was a massive land. You had LaTerrence Welch. Um, a, a four-star D, DB out of Lafayette, Louisiana as well at Acadian. You got Demario Tolan, an out-of-state kid who plays linebacker in Florida. He, he's from Orlando. You got him to sign uh, and stick with the Tigers even in this transition. Another Florida guy tied in Mason Taylor signed with LSU. Uh, a big one here, offensive lineman Emory Jones out of Catholic High in Baton Rouge. He was a little wishy-washy um, with this whole coaching change and whatnot, and he actually told uh, Moscona on on after further review that he was going to wait till February, he was going to keep his options open, but he was still coming to the Tigers. Brian Kelly had a meeting with him, as well as Brad Davis. They answered all his questions, and he made an announcement that he would sign December and it would be with the Tigers, and he did. Big get on the offensive line for the Tigers. Um, you got, a, a, I think, a little bit of an underrated receiver here out of Landon Ibieta, 
Um, a player who was committed to Miami. Uh, he's a three-star receiver in Louisiana, a, a kid who has dreamed of being at LSU. Uh, this was his dream school. In fact, he was quoted on Twitter uh, and said that he was the kid that when LSU lost, it ruined his weekend. So he says he hopes he can come to LSU and help another kid out uh, so that he doesn't have to have a, a horrible weekend. So you got a guy in Landon who who wants to be at LSU, who desires to be at LSU. And then the big one, the biggest signee that will probably be in this entire class, Walker Howard, the number one quarterback in the nation, five-star quarterback out of St. Thomas, Lafayette, former uh, player or teammate of Jack Besh, now reunited. Um, I'm really going to look forward. And it feels so good. <laughs> I'm really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing that connection in the future uh, between the two of them. You got defensive lineman Taji Hill uh, out of New Orleans, Edna Carr. He's a three-star, but uh, he was very highly recruited uh, to be a three-star. I really think he should have been a four-star. I mean, there was teams like Alabama all over him. Um, so we got Taji Hill. You get Nathan Dybert, a kicker. You get Will Campbell, the five-star offensive tackle the other big, massive guy out of Louisiana that you just really had to solidify. Will Campbell can possibly be an immediate impact day one starter. Um, he's just that type of talent, 6'6", 300 pounds, five-star offensive tackle. You get Bo Bordelon, another offensive lineman out of New Orleans, and then Jordan Allen to finish the class, another DB safety from Lafayette Christian Academy. So LSU really solidified the players in Louisiana that wanted to be at LSU. And if you want to, in a year where you're facing transition, you, if you still want to resemble somewhat of a normal class, you go get these guys, the guys that want to be at LSU. And you try to put a fence around Louisiana and keep in as many guys as you possibly can. Now, you lost some major battles with Shaz Preston, with Aaron Anderson, uh, with uh, Kendrick Law, you know, uh, probably your top three receivers in all of Louisiana. It really hurts that all three of them are, are going to Alabama. Um, but <laughs> typically, in a, in a typical normal year, LSU – gets the top receivers in Louisiana just about every single year. And Alabama took advantage of this transition year to capitalize on their recruiting in Louisiana. And you, 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 there's nothing you can do about it now. They're going to be at Alabama. We have our players. They have ours. It is what it is. Now, they are the top three receivers. They were all three receivers. And you love to have them, but LSU's – probably most depth position is their receivers because of last year's signing class of Louisiana For receivers. Sure. I mean, sure. if you get Kayshawn Butte back, you got Kayshawn Butte, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., Chris Hilton, Jack Besh. You know, this we we we're not struggling in the receiver department um right now. And you're going to land a few more guys. I I, I got to believe they'll sign some more receivers in this class other than Landon Ibieta. And 
So overall, Zach, I know I've rambled on a little bit here. I, I really like what Brian Kelly has done in this class so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing him close this gap out. But to sign 13 guys, uh, especially in some positions of need, was excellent. Um, give me all your thoughts on, on what you saw and what you like and uh, some some good positive news that maybe you can feed off of from early signing day. So I'll start with some uh, some positivity, but then I want to get into a discussion that's been going around a little bit uh, and been circul- circulating for sure around LSU. Uh, first off, as you said, it's I think it's really important that you got the guys that were already committed. A lot of the guys that you have in this class, they're LSU guys. And, and you're like, well, duh, they're committed to LSU. No, I mean, they, they wanted to come to LSU. You know, it's it was their dream school. And, uh, you know, we want those players that are committed to this school even when times get tough. Now, some of y'all may be reading into that statement and thinking, oh, well, he's against the transfer portal. No, I'm not against the transfer portal. But, you know, you look at – and we we have to mention this, and we'll we'll talk about the transfers and and players uh, leaving and and opting out of the bowl game. But look at Miles Brennan. Hey, we got a quarterback. We got a quarterback, Reagan. Uh, Miles Brennan – has decided to take his name out of the transfer and he is going to be no there is no doubt about it in uh, unless he gets another injury let's hey let's if, have you ever seen uh, little giants the movie little giants yeah <laughs> like have you seen that re- movie reagan yeah Okay, do you remember like the snotty, like nerdy kid that plays on the giants team and his mom brings him to practice the first day and he's got like I don't even know what it is. It looks like it looks like a mattress. It looks like a memory foam mattress just wrapped around his entire body. And he's in, in bubble wrap and he's waddling like this. And he's walking to practice. That is, I saw a tweet. I think I sent it to you, Reagan. Um, after Miles Brennan walked out of Brian Kelly's office, that's probably what he looked like. Hey, wrap yourself up in some memory foam. Wrap yourself in some bubble wrap. Don't uh, do anything. Well, you know, I, I know. We know COVID's out there, but we're gonna and we we're gonna quarantine you. You even if you don't have COVID, we're gonna quarantine you for the rest of the off season. You know, do whatever you can do, LSU, to keep this man healthy because there is no doubts about it. Uh, barring injury, Miles Brennan will be the starter, and, and he will be taking the first snap when it comes to the 2022 LSU football team. I think that's definitely a huge, huge positive for this team getting all the recruits that you did, keeping uh, a lot of the in-state guys. Also, you know, you lock up somebody like Ty G. Hill who was looking to flip. You lock up somebody like Quincy Wiggins. Um, and, and Jacoby Matthews is still on the board. Um, and if you, I don't know if you saw it, Reagan, but on Twitter today, there was a lot of current LSU commits that were really pushing for him, uh, you know, telling him to come home, to stay home. And so we hope Jacoby can – stay in, in in Louisiana once he signs in February. There's a lot of uh, other players out there that LSU is going to get, so just wait and see um, and, and see the end of this recruiting class and, and, and what it's going to come to because right now you're sitting at number 18 uh, nationally, you know, I only, and you can only really go up from there uh, by adding players. So I'm looking forward to that. Reagan, I think we got to talk about this NIL. It has been a big conversation here recently in these last few days. Uh, Jacoby Matthews being the center of that, you know, when he got down to his last few uh, teams that were 
listed uh, at the beginning, Alabama and A&M, they weren't even in that conversation. He goes to a camp, he talks to a, a tight end commit, uh, and he tells him about the NIL deals that he's got with these other teams. And all of a sudden, Bama uh, and A&M enter the picture for Jacoby Matthews. And that is because NIL. Yeah, I, there's no question that LSU has got to solidify some kind of, I don't know, program, um, some sort of, I don't know, organization to NIL because you're absolutely right. You will lose players if you don't capitalize on the NIL situation. Um, Players want to make money. If you're offering a kid $100,000 who economically comes maybe from not such a high status, like how, how, why would they pass up on that? Right. So, LSU, there's plenty of businesses. Plenty of people with money in their pocket in Baton Rouge to solidify a, a grounds for NIL. We're, we're paying 117 million to get rid of a class, to get rid of these coaches, and then bring in a whole new staff. Like LSU, there's no excuse for LSU not to uh, put some money into NIL. Um, let's talk about transfers here a little bit because this kind of ties into NIL as well. Uh, and has affected LSU in the transfer portal when it comes to NIL as well, specifically and namely Elias Ricks, who has um, announced his allegiance to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it's uh, really <laughs> it's for, uh, it's a just gut punch. It's a gut punch. Um, but I, I can't blame him for doing it. I uh, He's been here for two years. He's had two incredible years. The For himself, he's had two good years when he's played. And the disaster that was at Orgeron, going 500 both seasons, the upheaval of the, of the whole staff now, his third year, going into his junior year, his money year, you can't blame the kid for doing it, and you can't blame the Max Johnson for doing that as well. He'll be going to Texas A&M with his brother Jake Johnson, who signed A&M. Um, there's no question that Elias wanted NIL deals, and nobody got more NIL deals on LSU's football team than Derek Stingley did, and I think that ate at Elias that he was this – incredible DB just like Derek, but he wasn't getting the NIL money by any means close to what Derek was getting. And with everything that's happened with the coaching mess behind the scenes with LSU going 500 two years in a row, now you're having to flip the script on the whole staff and you're not making money, but Alabama's right here going, hey, we can give you all the NIL deals you want and we're the most stable program in the country. And, hey, while you're at it, you might win a national championship. You, you can't blame the kid for doing it. You just can't. Listen, listen, in the words of the Jeremy Hill, one of the best backs at LSU, Eli will forever be known as Elias Durant. If you can't <laughs> beat him, join him. I don't blame the kid for leaving. But, man, don't go to Bama. 
don't go to Bama. <laughs> it it's really stinks that he's going to Alabama because now you got to see him, right? You, you'll only see him for one year because Elias is going to be declaring for the draft after his junior season. There's no question about that. Um, he'll probably be a top round one pick. Um, but, yeah, it definitely stinks that he's going to Alabama. I don't blame him for everything, the situation. But, man, the fact that he's going to an SEC West team and that SEC West team is the Alabama Crimson Tide just makes you sick to your stomach. It just makes you want to throw up. Other news in the transfer portal, Max Johnson, obviously, like I said, is going to A&M. We'll have to see him now. I, I really honestly don't get the A&M transfer as much. In my opinion, if I'm Max, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm going to start, like guaranteed. I, I don't think he's guaranteed that at A&M because it, once Haynes King is healthy, that's going to be a battle. I, I don't think that that Max Johnson is going into A&M with Jimbo Fisher just saying, oh, I got the job, or Jimbo saying, you got the job. Like, if I so, think he's going to have to fight for see, that. If so, then we'll see something from Haynes King soon, like him transferring. Because, yeah, yeah uh, and if you don't see that, then this, then that decision gets even more questionable. And the Calzada thing with him transferring—I mean, that's obvious, right? You have Haynes King, and now you're adding Max Johnson. He like it makes sense for him to leave um, because he wouldn't have started over Haynes King anyways, and I don't think he's going to start over Max Johnson either. So that makes sense for him. But for Max Johnson, that's where he's going. He, we all knew he was going to be there with his brother, uh, wherever his brother went. His brother signed with A&M. And, of course, he uh, declared for A&M. Other transfer news, Trey Palmer as well has entered his name uh, in the transfer portal. Um, again, LSU is not lacking the receiver department. You like to have Trey Palmer back um, just because of his speed and what he brings to the table. But he's kind of gotten buried into the depth chart. And going into his junior, senior season, uh, I'm not exactly sure. You you don't want to be buried into the depth chart. If if he goes up to Nebraska with Mickey Joseph, he'll be a day one starter at Nebraska. And he'll probably catch like 80 to 85 catches in a season and have a breakout year. So – that's the other negative news for transfer portal. And regarding Trey Palmer, it's also been rumored that he kind of was told to leave. I don't know if you heard about that, Reagan, but apparently um, he was – this is the rumor mill. It's not fact. Um, this is just what we've heard. But apparently he was late to a meeting. BK kind of got on him a bit. I don't know if – how much of that is true? I'm just I'm just letting y'all know what the rumor mill was on, on that story, and so it, it's definitely interesting. But uh, he yep. he very likely will be going to Nebraska, like you said. I I heard the, that rumor, but to clarify a little bit, it was like BK said something to him, like "Hey, you don't need to be late," and then of course, like we said, this rumors Trey Palmer gave him some lip back you know about being late and then bk was like hey you can get out of here if you're going to be that way then and 
you know, with him being buried in the depth chart, with Mickey Joseph being at Nebraska and and him having the opportunity to go there, be a day one starter. And then it, I, I don't know if that whole story is 100% true, but if it is and something like that happens, right, there's there's an outlet to to exit, and that may yeah. have just, you know, finished the deal for the Trey hump. Palmer, yeah. right? Yeah, sent him over to the edge. So I wish best of uh, luck to to all of those guys. Um in their new uh, destinations. Of course, there are other LSU players in the portal as well. But the good news for LSU in the portal, you get Miles Brennan to remove his name from the portal. He will be our quarterback. It it almost seems like guaranteed uh, our starting quarterback next year. Uh, I expect Walker Howard to take a red shirt and, and watch and learn for a year. And then the biggest news is the top offensive tackle, Miles Frazier, out of FIU, has committed to LSU and is now officially a Tiger. He is transferred in, and he will be an immediate impact player, probably a starter. That was a huge get for the Tigers. We all know that this has been a a place of concern, and Brian Kelly did an excellent job going out and getting Miles Frazier big-time commit and that will definitely help the Tigers out on the offensive line front. All right, so that's what we got from early signing day and the transfers. Let's talk just briefly here a little bit about staff updates. Zach, if you will, give me the latest on who is out, and we'll discuss a little bit about the the rumors here lately on the coordinator positions. All right, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the last time we talked, Blake Baker was still in a position, and I believe Kevin Falk had been let go of his on-field duties, but there was questions about off-field. We now know that Kevin Falk will not be retaining any position at LSU and that Blake Baker is also moving on from LSU. Um I hate to see that for both guys because Kevin Falk, I mean, considering everything that happened for him this year, I would have liked to see him stay on and, 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 and coach these running backs. And, you know, he's a legendary guy, you know, he's a, he's an LSU guy. And, you know, I would have liked to see him stay on considering everything that happened with his daughter this past season. I understand why though, obviously, as we've said, you got to give BK the Liberty to come in and make his hires. Blake Baker though, that's another one that kind of confuses me um, because, man, Blake Baker, what a turnaround uh, he made with the linebackers this year. You, Demon Clark, it, he was like fighting for his starting position last year, looked terrible, took a lot of criticism, um, especially with wearing the number 18 jersey. To this year, Blake Baker comes in, works with the guys, and – Oh my gosh, Damon Clark should have won the Butkus. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, he was leading the nation in tackles. He should be a first-round draft pick. Uh, the dude is just insane. He is a beast. And a lot of credit for that goes to Blake Baker. Unfortunately, we won't be having Blake Baker back. But again, I think a lot of that has to do with the D.C. hire. A lot of the times... Um, 
you know, the defensive coordinator is also coaching the linebackers. Uh, you see that a lot in college football for you average listeners that don't really know much about the hierarchy and, 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 and coaches and, and roles and positions and all that stuff. Um, a lot of times you see the DC take over the linebacker position or another position. Uh, and specifically for Brian Kelly, you've seen that a lot under his tutelage. You've seen the DC take over and coach the linebacker. So I think that also has uh, a huge uh, play into this. You know, it hurts to lose those guys, but we thank them for their time here and, and, and what they've done with the running backs and the linebackers. Um, but we're going to trust in BK and trust that he is uh, going to make the right hires. And, and I'll let you talk on that, Reagan. Uh, some big names that we've heard so far. One that we aren't as familiar with, but definitely a big name coming out of the NFL. And then one that we are familiar with and that we're excited about um, if if he is the guy. Yeah, the, the two latest names, and we've we've discussed, you know, and, and we won't go over it again, we've discussed who we want, who we would like to see, all that, but all that really doesn't matter. It comes down to who Brian Kelly's going to hire. And the two latest names that we've heard, and it almost makes sense with the Blake Baker exit, Matt House, the Kansas City Chiefs linebacker coach, has been rumored uh, and heard of in the name of the defensive coordinator job. And it would make sense to get rid of Blake Baker as a linebacker coach if you're going to hire the Kansas City Chiefs linebacker coach to come and be your defensive coordinator, you would almost immediately expect him to take over as linebacker coach as well as the defensive coordinator role and, and running that defense. Specifically, you would expect him um, to take over at linebacker. The other name you've heard at OC, which is the one you know most people may be a little bit more familiar with, is Mike Denbrook from Cincinnati, and this is an exciting name, a name that, you know, maybe a little bit splashy because of what Cincinnati has done the, the past few seasons offensively. Desmond Ritter has developed into a, a great quarterback, and, man, Cincinnati's offense has always produced under Mike Denbrook's tenure at Cincinnati – so, Zach, give me your thoughts on these two guys. you got Matt House rumored as D.C., Mike Denbrook rumored as O.C. Give me your thoughts on if these guys were the guys and they were the ones to be hired, how would you feel and what would your reaction be? Well, I think you alluded to this a little bit, but it, it certainly looks like Matt House is going to be the guy, especially with the Blake Baker move. And, and those the rumor of Matt House coming and Blake Baker announcing – uh, his departure, uh, that timing, you know, lines up and certainly looks like he is going to be the guy. I got to be honest, Reagan, I don't know much about Matt House. It's going to have to be something that, that I look into and research. Uh, so I'm not sure how I'd react to that. I, I wouldn't have some like, oh my gosh, why the heck did we hire this guy? Or a, wow, we just hired this guy reaction because I don't really know much about Matt House. And that's me just being candid. I have to look into it a little bit more. He, him coming from the NFL does excite me, you know, uh, and obviously anytime you get a guy from uh, an upper level like the NFL, you know, it's really exciting and encouraging to see that guys that are uh, in the NFL are wanting to come back down to the college level and, and coach under BK. 
Mike Denbrock, I would be elated. Uh, you've seen Cincinnati. He's been there, I think, the last five years, and Cincinnati has had a high-scoring offense uh, all those five years. He's done a phenomenal job there. Obviously, it seems like he could potentially be the guy with there being no announcement still. He's still got the college football playoffs coming up. So, you know, all that looks promising. I'd be excited to get him. Um, but uh, as far as uh, both of them go, again, as I, as I said before, you just got to trust that BK uh, knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he's vetted candidates. Uh, and you can just, just have to trust his process. But I, I'm, I'm elated either way. Absolutely. And I think that's what, as LSU fans, as Tiger fans, this is what we need to do is trust who he's going to hire. He's known for making incredible hires. So just relax, wait and see what he does, and trust his process. He's been successful everywhere he's been. A little bit of info on Matt House. He has some SEC experience. He's been at Kentucky before, uh, I believe, as linebacker coach. So he does have SEC experience. That's great. Um, That's just a little bit of tidbit uh, that I know about him. But – We'll get some more info on him, a little bit more background, and we'll get relay that all to you. All right, I think that's all we got for you in episode 11 of the Tigers Avenue. We'll put a lid on this jar. We appreciate wait, 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 you. Wait, 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 oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Zach has, we have a surprise. Oh, he's got, he's got, he's got a surprise. I almost forgot. <laughs> yes, we have. I a did surprise forget <laughs> here in episode. 11 of the Tigers Avenue. So we have talked about this for a little while and, um, you know, Christmas is coming up. I want to announce to my two brothers, their Christmas gifts on the show tonight. We have been wanting to go to the PMAC. Oh boy. We've been to Alex Box Stadium. We have been to Death Valley, but we have yet to go to the PMAC. And what better year than to go this year with this LSU basketball team that has been so dominant. So my brothers and father, when he listens to this podcast, we'll have to make sure he listens to his <laughs> podcast so he can hear the announcement of his Christmas gift. On February the 16th, all four of us will be going to see LSU versus Georgia in the PMAC. Yeah. In Baton Rouge, yes. Louisiana. Let's I have bought go. tickets for all four of us. Let's that go. is wow. your. That is Merry your Christmas, Christmas to me. Merry Christmas <laughs> to y'all. And wow. a happy new year. We're going to go see the boys boot up. Boot up, and, baby. Um, Absolutely. I'm Thanks excited so much. about it. Of course, I, you know, I had to make sure we, we got a game that we are almost certain to win <laughs> because who wants to travel that far and see and a lose. loss? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to go see the Tigers take Heck on the yeah. Bulldogs February the 16th. Uh, I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. And uh, now it's a little bit higher up. It's not, it's not all the way up in the nosebleeds. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, giving y'all like $200 Christmas presents. Cause you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm broke. Um, so, so anyways, we'll be in the upper bowl, but we're near the bottom of the upper bowl at mid court. We are at mid court. I made sure to get us mid court. Cause if we're going to be in the upper bowl, then I want to get us, uh, you know, a, a great view. And so I'm, I'm excited awesome. about that. And, uh, Heck dad, yeah. I hope I'm, I'm super pumped now. 
and you can hear you Boot up. now y'all will get your y'all will get y'all's physical copies the tickets uh on on christmas sweet oh well we appreciate it very much zach that's awesome thank you very much that's awesome all right tiger fans we appreciate your continued support and if you would go follow us on twitter at tigers avenue pod at tigers avenue pod hey we'll catch you next time in the tigers avenue peace Cause LSU Tigers, who that, who that five stuff?